1: In the midst of depression, our adversary, the devil, would tell us that we are all alone and nobody has experienced the depth of despair that we are experiencing. And again, that comes straight from the father of lies, as we'll see next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. If we haven't gone through it ourselves, we will, and we probably know a person or two who's gone through deep depression, extreme despair. We find ourselves tired of life at that moment. We long for that Calgon take me away moment with God. God, take me home. I'm done. Yet we find a different answer to this tiredness here in Job chapter 10, and that's what we're examining today. Please join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose.
2: So that we will call upon Him, so that we will love Him, so that we will learn to depend totally upon Him, because He knows if the pressure is off, you're going to go to rack and ruin if I take away the pressure and make everything seem okay, like everything is going your way, you will relax and you will give into temptation. Or worse, you think you're really something because everything seems to be working out for you. Uh-oh. If everything is always working out for us and going just the way we would like it to go, We really need to take inventory of our lives. And if things are not going well and we're struggling, we also need to take inventory. Because either way, the Lord is teaching us, listen, you are weak. You need to trust me. You need to call upon my name. So go back to Job. We don't need to know what God is doing with us. All we need to remember is that He will do with us what is best for us. Because God made us from our parents' watery substance. We think we can define the process or understand that process. Beloved, nobody understands it. It's a total miracle. Every single human being that has been formed by God is a walking miracle. Well, they think they can explain it. So because you and I owe our existence to God, that means He's free to do with us whatever He wills, my friends. And we can either complain bitterly, this isn't fair, I'm sick of this, I want an easier life, I want my spouse to be more loving and care more about me, I want my children to be better, I want more money, a better job, whatever it may be. That, beloved, is not our prerogative because we do not own ourselves and we don't get to chart our own course. God owns us and we own our very existence to Him Well, Job forgets this a little bit. In verses 14 through 17, quite frankly, Job is completely confused. And he admits it. Verse 14, he says, Lord, if I sin, you know it, and you won't acquit me of my iniquity. But in verse 14, he says, If I be wicked, woe to me. If I am righteous, even then I'm not going to lift up my head. Now, he's not saying... It doesn't matter if I'm wicked or I'm righteous. Either way, I'm done for. That's not what he is saying. He's simply saying, Lord, I know that you are righteous and you see all things and you know if I'm sinful. Therefore, if I am wicked, woe to me. But on the other hand, if I'm righteous, in other words, if I'm not guilty of any notorious sin, and I'm generally walking before your majesty, what good is even that. You see, Job here stands on the abyss, on the brink, and he looks at the holiness and the majesty of God, and he says, what good is my righteousness before your holiness? He says, I'm not going to lift up my head. He says, Lord, you see my afflictions, even the ones I don't see. Now, this reminds me of several passages in psalms and I want to look at just a couple real quickly in psalm 25:18 David prays look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all of my sins psalm 119:132 look there upon me and be merciful unto me as thou used to do unto those who love thy name and then psalm 119:153 Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. This is Job's confession here. And so he is bewildered. Lord, please look upon me. If you'll smile upon me, everything will be okay. Have you ever been confused, befuddled about the way God has dealt with you in your life? Why is he treating me like this? I I don't understand. Why is this happening to me? I'm not a wicked person. We don't have to understand it. God says, I'm not an internet search engine where you can just type in your question and you get an answer from me in two seconds. He says, most of the time I just want you, when you feel the pain and the troubles of life, and you feel my pressures coming on you, to just say, Lord, smile upon me, and it will be okay. You don't need to ask the questions. Just trust me. That's what's troubling Job more than anything else. It's not his children. It's not his goods. It's not his health. It is, Lord, if you will just smile on me. If you will just look upon me so that I know at some level you are with me and I feel your loving presence, it'll all be okay. I can then walk through the valley of the shadow of death all my life if I know that you are with me, that your rod and your staff are there comforting me. So please remember, here is the righteous response. When all the props of life are knocked away, And when it seems like God has given you a bad run of things, here's the response a godly man makes. Lord, please see my afflictions and give me relief. Now, his afflictions are not diminishing, verse 16. They are actually increasing. He feels like God is hunting him like a lion. He says, Lord, you've dealt with me in the past so marvelously, so miraculously. I don't get what's going on now. Lord, all of these witnesses are against me. It seems like your wrath is increasing. It's not like Job has any new physical problems per se here. It's just that he is more and more burdened by everything the longer the time passes. And he doesn't hear from God. Most of the time when life is going tolerably well, it's easy for us to think God is just a bigger version of us. He's there, you know, just to get us out of our scrapes. He's there to make sure life just goes smoothly on like we think it should. Well, as you already know, that's not the way God is. God has a master plan. It is a detailed plan for our lives and he is going to sift us and he's going to try us and he is going to prove that he is God and we are not. It's easy to say, Lord, you sovereign. Lord, my life is in your hand when everything's going well. But let it be our health taken away. Let our children or our spouse die or really struggle with something or our income is reduced or our liberties are taken away and we suddenly have to become refugees in order to worship God and raise our families in his fear and we cry foul this isn't fair Lord how could you do this to me so please remember when you look at your life you may not see any huge glaring sins but every Godly man and woman like Job will feel in himself that he is guilty of countless sins that he cannot see. So we run to the Lord and we ask for mercy, and he is gracious to grant it. So this must be our response to our trials Lord, look upon me, be merciful unto me. You alone are my God, my Savior my Lord. Well, verses 18 through 22 are terrible. Job's faith here is just a tiny, tiny flicker. He turns back to what he said in chapter 3. Lord, why was I born? He said, I wish I would have died immediately. Or verse 19, I wish they would have just carried me from the womb to the tomb. Job is a Weeping saint, and we love him, but we can't walk with him here. Especially when he says in verse 20, Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone. Leave me alone? What if God leaves me alone? If God leaves me alone, life becomes a living hell. If God leaves me alone, there's no comfort for me anywhere. I may turn to the bottle or to drugs or to hedonism or whatever it may be, but there is nothing for me. So we can't walk with Job here, but we can understand he adored God. Job loved the Lord with all his soul, strength, and mind, but where is he? Where is that love of my life? So let's be careful of judging him too harshly because we've not been tested like Job was here. Very few of us in this room have been tested to any extreme. But even if we have, we have Christ crucified, Christ raised and reigning for us at God's right hand, and we have the completed scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit in ways that Job did not have him. So rather than condemn Job, let's cry with him. Lord, help me. Look upon my afflictions. You see, at least Job here is wrestling with the Lord. He hasn't killed himself or just given up. He hasn't gone to anything to try and dull his pain. Now, he does say in verses 21 and 22, Lord, please go ahead and complete your work. I am ready to die. And this is rough for us to hear. But Job has hope in the resurrection. And we'll see that coming up in other chapters. So Job is not here a wicked man or talking as an unbeliever. But on one level, he says, My soul is dark. Without you, life is darkness, so go ahead and complete your work. My life is chaos, disorder. Go ahead and finish me. Now, if Job had not been a godly man, suicide would have been a viable option. But Job is a godly man. And as a godly man, he kept crying to the Lord. And he does this throughout the book. His grief Goes too far, yes. His words go too far, but let me tell you. This is love and desire talking here. It is faith screaming for the God that He loves. It's like David in the Psalms. Lord, Where are you? I I need your help. I've got all these enemies. Why have you forsaken me? Don't leave me, Lord. It's like Peter drowning in the depths of the sea of his own sins of unbelief and yet crying out to the Lord, Lord, save me. I'm drowning. And in some respects, it's even our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Lord's looking at this cup of pain and judgment and he knows he's going to drink it. But he's begging, Father, why this cup? Why this cup of judgment? Would you please, if it be your will, take it away from me. If there's any other way to save your elect and fulfill your will and to bring your sheep to myself than to drink this cup. Yet, he still submits to it. Now, Job here doesn't pray with this perfect submission. But you know, our our Lord Jesus was still shaken to the depths by his troubles. In several places in the gospel it says that the sorrows of death and the horrors of hell and the pains of death were upon him and he was unhinged and he had to be supported by angels. He was terrified at God's dealings with him and he knew Isaiah fifty-three ten was coming. You have put me to grief. You have put me to grief, Father. It wasn't Pilate. It wasn't the Jews. They were just the instruments. It was God. It was the Father who laid upon him all of the judgment and wrath for our
0: sins.
2: And because we are in Christ and we are God's adopted sons, God will sometimes bring us to grief. So, beloved, please expect it. Oh, it probably won't be as bad as Job. It may not be everything at once, or it may be. I have known some brothers and sisters who have suffered some pretty horrific things in a very short period of time. So please, please remember that you and I always need humbling and chastening and sifting and refining. And when God does this, He has bigger things going on than just our feelings. Job didn't see this. He didn't know that 3,000 years later, we would be studying this book with his name on it. And how much profit that we have gotten from Job's story. Because we're following Job at every bitter step. And we know how it all ends. Job didn't know. We're watching this and God is sustaining him. Job is crying out. He, he goes too far. And yet God continues to hold him up. And we know he is going to bring him out at the end. Okay. So what is our lesson? God is going to bring us through our trials as well. The lesson is Proverbs twelve twenty one: There shall no evil happen to the righteous. <clears throat> If God does bring something that we think is evil into our lives, like Joseph said, he'll bring good out of it. We have to trust him, beloved. We have to yield our lives to him and say, Lord, do what you will to my children. Do what you will to my health. Do what you will to my job. Do what you will do with this sin that I'm dealing with. Oh, I hate it, but I'm crying out to you. Do what you will with my spouse. Do what you will with my body. Do what you will with me. I'm yours. Save me. So when the Lord goes to sifting us, and he will at some level, we have to do what Job did. We've got to cry out to him. Let's turn to one last verse and then I'll close. Psalm 27. I can't get over the fact that all these things we are studying in Job, and even though he goes too far sometimes, he is still crying to God. And this is very much like Psalm 27, verse 7. When I cry with my voice, have mercy also on me and answer me. When he said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto you, thy face, Lord, will I seek? God says to us at all times, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And in this we can be like Job. He says, like the sea billows roll and I cry out to God. Lose your job. Cry out to God. Suffer persecution? Cry out to God. Lose your health? Cry out to God. Lose a spouse? Cry out to God. Concerned about what's going to happen to you tomorrow? Cry out to God. Cry to Him. No one in this room has ever cried out to God perfectly. But we must cry, beloved. How do we know when our little children are in trouble? They don't sit in the room and say, hey, mommy, daddy, I just fell off my bed and my head is bleeding. Will you come in here when you get the chance and help me? Oh, that's not the way it is. They're screaming, come in here and come now. Do you cry like that? Give God no rest, my friends. That is the lifeblood of faith. Give him no rest. Lord, if you take my health, I'm going to cry out to you. And I will continue until you heal me. So if we're crying out to him, we're doing what Job did. God says, seek my face And our soul says back to him, your face, Lord, will I seek. Job survived because of this, and we will too. Because of all those who seek the Lord will live. And you can bank on that. Don't bank on having an easy life. Don't bank on having everything going your way. Don't bank on being the one to whom God is going to say, well, you know, I'm not really going to test this Christian too much because he's really special, and I want him to have an easy life. Do you remember what Job said to his two disciples who said, Lord, when sitting on your throne in all of your pomp and glory, can you allow us to sit on your right hand and your left hand? Now, I don't think this was necessarily a sinful request. I don't think that these men were trying to share God's glory. I think they just wanted to bask in his glory. So what did Jesus say to them? Well, it's not mine to give. Who sits on my right hand or who sits on my left? But I'll tell you this. Unless you're willing to drink the cup that I drink of, unless you're willing to carry the cross, unless you are completely willing to deny yourself, that is the only way you'll sit with me. And they say, Lord, we are willing. Jesus says, you're right, you will drink this cup. So at some level, we're going to get some drops of suffering in this life. And at times, they may be big gulps for a while. We're going to get some testing as I have said before God will throw faith into the fire because he wants to purify us and he wants to refine us so what are we supposed to do we're to call upon the name of the Lord he alone my friends is our rock and our salvation he alone is the one who saves he alone is our God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for Job's cries and how instructive they are for us. And we pray that you would have us follow his example of calling upon your name, wrestling with you. Lord, we thank you that we have your completed word and that you have lifted up our heads and have ascribed to us your righteousness by virtue of your righteous life. We no longer need to be confused. You have endowed us with faith and persuaded us that you are able to keep that which we have committed unto you against the day of your judgment. We fully trust that when you test us and sift us and chasten us, that you are indeed with us and love us. And you will always afflict us, your children, to purify us, and perfect us. For Christ's sake, amen.
1: And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us are two in the afternoon we're located at Lone Hill Church 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org again, Sunday services are at 2pm. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408 Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless.